Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly manga podcast where we read every chapter on Visit Shonen Jump website, and then some other collected volume of manga. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm your host, Kevin. And this week, because it's still spooky month, and I always do that accent when I'm trying to do a different one, it always goes goofy in the end. Yep. We read Gantz, which is not goofy at all. No. But before then, we have a lot of Shonen Jump to get through, and you have a trip you have to go take immediately after we stop recording. Basically. So, let's get into it, starting with The Promised Neverland, Chapter 153, Coward. What did you think of this chapter, Kevin? I really liked this chapter. It was kind of like a return to form of Emma, Ray, and Norman doing stuff. Yeah, it's very much is, and Emma gets to be like super mom mode with Norman. Yep. Which is really good. And be like, hey, stop lying to yourself. You're scared. That's why you're doing all these like super dangerous things. And we get super confirmation that Norman is 100% fatally ill, although that has been pretty obvious for a little while now. Yeah. Also, Ray tries to be cool, quiet, supportive dad, while Emma is momming super hard at him. It was very nice. I liked the emotions of it. I love the bit where Norman's like, I don't have time to be with you. But he doesn't say it out loud, because he still can't do that. Yeah. But they kind of get him to give in, even though he's already murdered everybody. And he's decided with him Ozymandiasing at them. Yeah. Well, like, he's already murdered the royal family, which that's something, but... It's true, he hasn't murdered literally everyone. Yeah, well, and uh, Sonia and Makuji are still alive, so if they could convert all of the demons to their bloodline, then the demons wouldn't need to eat people. True, so So that plan is still on the table. Yeah. And also, everyone's like, no, their society will definitely collapse now that I've cut off the head, which, well, it's a good opening gambit, is not 100% a guarantee. Well, what he specifically uh, said was, is I have now opened a fatal fissure, and all it will take is one poke to send it crumbling down so it's like by cutting off the head i have created a weakness and then if i exploit that weakness correctly i can completely destroy their civilization he's still kind of had his master stroke but it's not everything isn't for not anything else you wanted to say about promise neverland not really read it it's just super solid this week that brings us to my hero academia number 245 rise to action which is i think kind of a disappointing chapter a it's little gonna, bit, yeah. It's going to sound weird, but it's exactly what I expected after last week's chapter, even though I found last week's chapter kind of confusing and wasn't 100% sure what was being implied. It Still, focused a lot more on the code breaking than I thought it would. End of her doing it, which I actually do like as a, like, showing End of her's not an idiot sort of thing. Yeah. But at the same time, like, it was exactly what I expected, and we find out that in four months something awful is going to happen, and it sounds like Tomer is, like, meditating in the spirit of chamber and the spirit of chamber in time? Yes. The chamber of spirit in time until he becomes strong enough to just disintegrate the world or something. Destruction bomb is the name of the plan or what's going to happen, which I was like, that sounds awesome. Also, we see Endeavor's agency and the flaming sidekickers. Yes. Which I think needs maybe a slight, like, the name is fine. I think maybe the adaptation should use a slightly different one because I feel like it implies some stuff it's not trying to. <laughs> Probably not. But also, it's a great name for some end of our sidekicks. I, I have it somewhat difficulty believing he has 30 sidekicks, but I guess he is number one. He just seems like he's too Batman for that. Well, you notice that, like, they don't tend to do, like, all the other times we've seen him, they don't tend to do anything. And a lot of them worked for him even when he was the number two. Yeah. So it's kind of the, he's like the, the Teen Titans, where it's like, Eh, Batman's kind of, sort of sanctioned this. We're like, yeah, we're, you know, we're part of the Justice League. Yeah, you go play over there. 
I do love how in the Young Justice cartoon uh, from the late 2010s that Superman has a clone son. He's immediately like, oh, I don't know what to do about this. This is weird. And Batman's like, what? A uh, son figure that needs guidance. How can I help? With, I keep wanting to say Tim Drake, but it's not Dick that. Dick Grayson? Robin. Dick Grayson being there. Uh, I mean, in this one, he has been guiding him too. That Batman is 100%. I need to be everybody's dad. Yes. <laughs> and it's a great characterization for Batman. Yes. But anyway, speaking of characterization, that leads us to Act Age Scene 84, Hero. What did you think of Act Age this week, Kevin? I thought this was really cool. I liked the... So, like, they're kind of mentioning, well, yeah, you playing all these tricks to make Chio, Chios, okay. to make Kay's anger so realistic that everyone can feel it. But that's going to backfire on us because... We're doing a play that's a popularity contest. So if a critic would be able to watch the play, get scared of K, and then after would be like, oh my god, that was amazing. But like most regular people would just be like, that chick was terrifying. I don't want to watch that. Or like, I liked that one better. And so they're all worried about that. And then the director points out that she's like, yeah, but we have Ogami and he's the hero of the tale and he's immediately recognizable. So he comes out on stage and, and yells, I am here. Yes. They did this thing with Kay picked out this little girl in the crowd to like directly stare at as she was walking to the stage. So they showed the girl was traumatized yeah. and then they showed her reaction when Ogami walks out and it's like, oh, thank God. The Monkey King is here. He's going to fight the evil witch or, yeah. you know, Princess Iron Fan. And it's like, I really like that characterization of we made her into the villain that everyone's terrified of. And then Ogami shows up as the hero that everyone immediately relates to. Is like, that's the hero. Yes. Even though that's not how the play is written. Yeah. yeah. It's very good. I liked it quite a lot as well. I don't know that I had anything to add because you pretty much went over all of it. Except for, again, the artist is incredible at drawing people that are angry. Yeah. That goes a long way towards making the manga really work. Yep. Oh, we did have um, the backdrop for the first scene was the painting that the director had done of the flames and uh they mentioned that it was like that triggered k and part of me was like well the first time it triggered k was because they mentioned that her paintings go for like x amount of dollars and she was like freaked out about how much how yeah. expensive it was not because she was like ah oh, fire makes me angry i also noticed that was a bit odd yep but it was like something else that the director was like poking her with <laughs> a stick which brings us to one piece chapter 958 the promised port which is a weird chapter of One Piece. It really is. Like, it's trying to transition back into the Wano story. Yep. And it starts with a flashback to Goldie Roger's crew with Odin. Yep. Which I find interesting. But then the, like, snap back into the story is really weird. Yes. Because it's time for them to attack, and it's all of Odin's vassals. So Kinemon and Tanjiro and the new Kappa guy. Yeah. So it's like the... Seven or nine, I don't remember. I what. think it's seven. Yep. I mean, it's definitely got to be seven samurai, right? Yeah, so it's um, the seven samurai meeting in front of a stormy sea going like, where is everybody? It's like, oh, this storm, like, it must be like a sign that we're not supposed to do it. But this is the only day the attack could work because everyone will be drunk. Yep. What are we going to do? Yeah, where, where are all of our followers? Like, what happened to all the prisoners and stuff like that? Yeah, like, where's Luffy? His job is not letting us down. But then there's, like, the way it ends, it's like, oh, it all happened yesterday. Yep. So the way I saw it, because we had the um, uh, Shogun leaving to, apparently, the Shogun leaves to go to this island where Kaido's hanging out, and they have a giant feast once a year, kind of like a celebratory, like, hey, here's to our partnership. Yeah. 
And uh, so he's heading out to that. And I'm kind of expecting that it's like the incident happened yesterday and he's going to show up and see like we're going to flash back. And it was just a very weird thing to be like, welcome back to the story. Here's what happened right now. But we got to then immediately flash back. It would work a lot better if the last panel was a clear like action moment. Because yeah. like there's no visual cliffhanger. No, it's literally just the Shogun, like, reclining on his boat and being like, the incident happened yesterday. And I shouldn't hold this against the chapter, but One Piece is off next week, which makes it even more frustrating. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, a really, like, for One Piece, a really bad chapter, I thought, actually. I still liked it. I really liked the the Seven Samurai standing on the shore. Like I mean, that shot. Ar- Odai's still drawing it. Yes. Don't get me wrong. Well, not just the art of that. Like, that shot was really cool. And I was like, ah, oh, this is kind of like a cool device. I just, I don't think this was, per- like, executed super well or timed really well. Yeah, and I get what he's trying. But, like, I talk about the One Piece anime and how it's always wasting time. And the manga never feels like that. But this chapter kind of did. A little bit. Like, again, I kind of like the fact that it was like, all right, we have met here on the fateful day. Luffy already solved everything, man. Yeah. Uh, Oh. I mean, that's a very Luffy thing to do, but. Well, and I also might think, um, because they have Dogstorm and them are going to like, all right, we're going to do it ourselves, even if it's just the seven of us versus Kaido. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to show up and the battle's still going to be going on. And that could be. It's just such a weird, like, again, I think if the visual cliffhanger was better, this chapter would work a lot better. But it just leaves you feeling so like, what? Yeah, I think if they... I'm like, no, no, oh, I gotta know what, but like, yeah. I think if they'd even cut to a shot of, like, Luffy on a boat. Yeah, exactly. That's a visual cliffhanger. Yeah. Like him on a masthead, like, crossing his arms. Yeah, something I... like that, yeah. Just slightly not done well. I still liked where it went, but I agree, this wasn't my favorite chapter. Which brings us to Demon Slayer chapter 177, Younger Brother, which is more flashbacks to this dead demon, which is, again how Demon Slayer works. It's just really weird experiencing this in the manga. I mean, I have before, but it's always been pretty much contained to one chapter. Whereas like the anime, because it burns through material so much faster. This is the coda of an episode or the beginning of a next episode. It doesn't take an entire week's time. So it's really kind of weird and narratively different to focus on a character who's dead for so long. Yeah, but I mean, like you said, this isn't the first time it's done it. So while it's kind of weird, I don't mind it, especially because, like, this is the next to final boss, basically. Yeah, I mean, and it's showing that the story prioritizes its themes over its characters in some ways. Not to say the characters are bad, and obviously the fight scenes are always amazing in Demon Slayer. Yeah. But we're spending so much time with these characters that aren't coming back, pretty much. Yep. And that's only to explore themes, which is interesting, and I like it, I mean... You heard me grave about the last Sayuki whenever it brought up narrative stuff. So I am into the structure. I just can't help but notice how weird it is. Yeah. Well, and I also think they're going to tie into the fact that like Tanjiro is probably related to this dude somehow. Thematically, I think it's very important. And it's a thing Demon Slayer does all the time uh, because it's also kind of showing or it's also kind of thematically about Tanjiro's mercy and pity towards demons. Yep. Also on a greater thematic level about how Everybody thinks they're the hero of their own story, and villains got that way, doing what they thought was right. Yeah. And so seeing that backstory afterwards is interesting. Basically, he was just super jealous of his younger brother, which we already kind of knew. Yeah. Although we get a lot more detail. His brother was like a prodigy of a swordsman. They were twins, and his younger brother was going to be sent to basically a temple so that there was no succession problem. Yep. But he was such a good swordsman, it was about to flip, and then he went of his own will as soon as their mother died. 
And yep. I guess the emotional crux of the chapter is that the younger brother is always clinging to his mom. And the older brother's kind of like, yeah, how is he supposed to be strong like that? But yep. then he realizes that once his mother died, she was really weak on that side. And the whole time he was just kind of propping her up rather yeah. than like clinging to her. Yeah, so he's like, I really hate geniuses. Like, not only was he a genius at the sword, he figured out what was going wrong with Mother before anyone else did and was helping her out. Yeah, really powerful stuff. So don't get me wrong when I say it's narratively weird. I just can't help but notice that. Yes. Which, speaking of weird, I wanted to talk about Double Taisei number 20, Cycle of Destiny. This chapter sure is a hell of a drug, huh, Kevin? It's very weird. Do you want me to take it, or do you want to... That's fair. I do want to interject it. So when we were talking about last week's uh, chapter of Double Taisei, that guy actually was there for the Game of Life thing. I thought thing. he was, I, but both of I us were like, I literally forgot him. Yep. It's like a ghost is haunting this manga. So I, I went back to that chapter and was like, no, there he is. So like, he was there. I just He literally made no impression. He tries to make a big one this time, though. We get some flashbacks to Taisei at his house, presumably when they were playing Smash Bros, talking with the butler. And he's like, ah, this is a sweet portrait of a guy whose name Jeremy did not bother to write down. It doesn't matter. And Butler's like, no, this is his dad. No, that's his great, great, great grandfather. Okay, I thought it was his dad. No, he mentions that. He was like, no, that's it. Like, that painting's 400 years old or something like that. It's like, yeah, they all look like that. And then they all look like, you know, it's him with his... One more than that great-grandfather. Yep. They all start looking like that eventually. They all change. They all uh, marry a girl named Chio when they're like 24. Yep. Take over the company. And then they leave the company at like 80 and then die at 84 or something like that. He's like literally every single male heir does that. And Taisei is not like, that's not true. That's impossible. Because apparently this manga is weird now. Yes. I, I don't know. So anyway, he's playing Shogi with him, and he's like, Destiny, 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 Destiny. And Taisei is like, no, Gundam Seed Destiny is awful. Why do you keep talking about it? Yep. And then he's like, I'm going to kill myself with poison. And Taisei is like, what? He's like, yep, see this pill I just had? It was poison. Yep. And then it ends with Taisei at his gravestone. Yep. Drama? Question mark? Surprise? Question mark? I don't don't know. I might be more emotionally impacted if I remembered who this dude was. It just feels so random. It does. And at first I was like, I I went back and was like, oh, is it they're like visiting his father's grave or something like that? I was like, ha ha, because they all have the same name. I was like, ha, no, no, that's for February 4th, 2020. So. And Taisei just watches him have poison. And to be fair to Taisei, like, he doesn't know what's going on. And that's a crazy thing to do. He's even like, oh, is that some cold medicine? If some dude pulled out a pill in the middle of a match and was just like, nope. I'm going to die at the end of this match. Uh, do we need to call Judge? <laughs> My opponent poisoned himself? I don't know what to do in this situation. Well, there ain't no rule against a dog playing shogi or someone poisoning themselves So the match goes on. I don't know. Yeah, the chapter existed. Which brings us to We Never Learn question 130. Sometimes a genius still struggles with X. So this is a pretty sweet... I, that makes it sound like it's an awesome radical chapter, or I mean like a emotionally tender chapter. Yes. Because Fumino's hanging out with uh, Sensei now. Yeah. Because they got over, they had an awkward bath, and now they're more friendly. Yes. So she invites Furuhashi and Yugiya in for tea. She is also hiding all her trash in the closet to make it seem like she doesn't need Yugiya to clean up. Well, I mean, she at least good. did clean up somewhat. Like, the trash is all still in the closet, but... 
Because even Yugi, uh, Yugi's like, no, 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 we don't need to go visit her house. Like, I haven't been by in months. It's probably horrible. <laughs> she makes them tea, helps them study. Like I said, it's pretty sweet. And then she's like, oh, I'll make you dinner. I'll- well, so before the I'll make you dinner thing, uh, I love, she's like, I'll make you guys some tea. And so she sets the cups down and then like the even the <laughs> okay. manga points out that her and Yugia have like matching love cups. Yeah. And then there's some random like student's clay fired <laughs> cup that Fumino's <laughs> given. And then she's like, all right, I'm going to make dinner. And she puts on like the the new bride apron with like the heart and all the frills like, thank you for getting this for me, Yugia. And <laughs> yeah, Fumino's just like- kind of like, why do I feel the urge to compete with her right now? Yeah. I mean, again, it's very good. I. I just can't help but remember, maybe actually now my favorite joke and we never learned, with just the random, like, the boy being like, what? They're all hugging him, mommy, and her being like, oh, I remember when I had to fight for your dad like that. Yep. Which is very good. But anyway, they decide to do a Food Wars. Yes. For Yu-Gi-Oh! And he's like, this is definitely going to end bad for me, please let me cook. Like, no, we must Food Wars. They both can't cooking, though. Well, because Kirisu-sensei normally cooks out of a recipe, and she loses the recipe or something no something happens where she's like i need this thing and don't have it so she like panics and fumino is uh, just naturally clumsy she cuts herself there's a great bit where she's like i need disinfectant and yugi grabs her hand and puts it under the water like no uh you actually want to wash it with cool water instead of using disinfectant because that's the better way to deal with cuts Anyway, they must make awful curry, and Yugi is like, no, try teamwork, it makes the dream work. And then they bond together over making curry, but then it's bad too, because for Ahashi picked a super, super spicy recipe. Yep, but she's mostly immune to it because she eats a bunch of spicy food. Like, I have the exact same thing when people ever, I like spicy food, so whenever anybody asks me, is this thing spicy? I cannot taste the spice, but me not being able to taste the spice is completely different who's somebody who's, you know, like milk toast who thinks salt is spicy. So speaking of your problems, you wanted to talk about Mission Yuzakura Family Mission 7, Surprise yes. Attack Part 1. That was a bit of a mouthful, but not quite a We Never Learned title. No. So what did you think of this, Kevin? There was a panel in here that just had me rolling on the floor. Um, so we have the Yuzakura family has gotten together to, is it Mahato? Or what, what's her name? Mitsumi. Mitsumi. There we go. Uh, to go capture Mitsumi. They're apparently in a semi-truck. They're a bunch of semi-trucks. Yes. It's a convoy. Convoy. But they are heading to get picked up, and the guy who captured her is in negotiations with the person who's going to buy her about, like, hey, you know, all this extra hazard pay is going to be super expensive. You're okay with that? And the guy's like, I'd pay anything for her. And she's like, oh, it's you. So I she think like, it's probably her brother. It's either her brother or someone we haven't uh, revealed yet. Those are the only options. But I think it's going to be revealed to have all been a test. Anyway. It may be. Like, I could kind of see that. But part of me has a feeling that it's not. I mean, that's the more interesting. She seems, like, cold about the person. So we're like, this is going to be kind of the arch villain of... The first arc. That's yeah. also possible. That that That's what I was thinking. But anyway, they're driving along, and all of a sudden they're like, where'd all the cars go? And they realize no one else is on the highway, uh, because the uh, Yozakura family has hijacked the traffic cams and uh, the traffic, traffic lights. lights. The, yeah. <laughs> and navigation systems. Traffic cams, I don't think, would help them. No. <laughs> I guess to help see know what traffic lights to hack. Yes, but they have uh, made it so that no civilians are on the highways. And then they all come in via drones. 
And the thing that really had me laughing was the Oscar the Grouch character being held up by like three drones, but clearly not wanting to be there. So he's just in the can kind of being like dragged along. Yeah, those jokes really didn't work at all for me. I mean, that's his whole thing. Like, and there's the one I think was best was he basically gets dropped into one of the truck and activates all his weapons. Yeah, it's like a Looney Tunes cut to the outside. Yeah, uh, but like, I don't know. I for whatever reason, I didn't get that off his character before. And so I don't want to say it came out of nowhere because it could just be me not paying enough attention. I I kind of got because he's like the traps specialist. That's so true. Like, he's he like doesn't shy. Want... He hides in a trash can. Yeah. So, so it like, makes sense. He I doesn't want didn't... to engage in physical combat kind of thing. It was like, oh, that makes sense. It just wasn't super funny to me. And the hacker chick also clearly doesn't want that. So basically the next scene is them just using their superpowers to take out four of the five trucks. Yes. I also like the doctor guy just picks up one of the trucks and tips it over. And he's like, the best way to end an engagement is to not fight at all. I was like, that it's really cool. Like, I, I like that because he like hulked out and just lifted a semi and it, put it on its side. And it's like, it is now it is now disabled. He's very Baymax in a weird way. Yes. Uh, I also like that the hacker just hacking the truck like it was one of the cars in Neolation and turned it off. But then there's one last car, of course. But the brother and the main character, whose name I can't remember right now. Same. Are standing in the way. And the brother's like, well, their cars explode to destroy evidence if you stop them. So we have to catch it while it's running and takes out a section of highway and basically has a spider web under it, which yep. is pretty cool. So the main character goes to attack and does like a Midoriya slam on the villain. Yep. It looks really good, but I can't help but compare it to that time Midoriya slams Bakugo in volume two of My Hero, probably because yeah. we just read it. Uh, but there's so much more emotion in that. And like, this is well drawn. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's just this villain kind of isn't anything. Yeah. He's like, she's too close. I can't use the stun gun at this range, so I'll have to rush him. And the assassin is like, wow, you know, I can't believe this noob is trying to rush me. That's And so he, like, goes to do something. And then he that's when he reverses it into the slam. And he's like, ah, he's bloomed. Yeah, it didn't. I've seen that before. Yeah. It wasn't anything special to me. And like I've said before, I think Misha Yuzakura family's really good when it's funny and fine when it's just shown in action. Yeah. So this was fine. I didn't hate it. I'm taking the more critical role to play opposite you. I found a lot of the stuff really funny, so I was like, all right, that was pretty cool. Yeah, the, the humor just didn't land at all this week for me. Yep. I can see that it was there. Um, Like, the tilting it on the side thing was okay, but it's like a smile, not a laugh. The thing with me was the trash can guy, where it was like, first he was getting dragged along. Like, everyone else was kind of, like, active in the roles, and it was almost kind of like, you're coming along too, damn it. And then with the, uh, no, I don't want to get into the fight. Well, that's the 500th time you've tried to bail, and they just drop him into the into the car. Yeah, like I said, it just didn't do anything for me. Yep. Which leads us to Samurai 8, Chapter 21, Shining White Blade. What did you think of Samurai 8 this week, Kevin? I like this. I liked Hachimaru has the moment of, so he goes, he's like getting better with his instincts to be a samurai. And then he gets immediately shown his own hubris where he goes to strike down one of his enemies, and as he does so, someone else sneaks up and grabs Princess Anne, and his master is thinking this like, oh no, he lost sight of it, but then another person shows up, saves Anne, and points out to Hachimaru like, you know, you got too focused on defeating your enemy, you weren't paying attention to protecting your princess, like you need to work to be a better samurai. Yeah, I really liked it. It was, rote isn't the word for it, but it's a beat I've seen before, but it's really well done. Yeah. Because this guy is, you know, he knows what he's doing when it comes to writing yes. shonen manga. And I am excited for the fight. And there was lots of cool stuff. I like Daruma having, like, turning his katana into a sniper rifle because he's a battle royale now. Yes. He knows that's the best strat. And I really like the Hachimaru bit you were talking about. I mean, that's the bulk of the chapter. That and yep. the guy who saves Anne for him 
like going on about honor and be like, oh, okay, I can see that. Like that was already going through your head. Yeah. And you're clearly a quick learner. So I went to duel you. Hey, Samurai Catmaster, will you let me one on one this guy? Yep. He's like, yes, I shall respect the one v one at Baron because yes. my people will learn from it either way. Yeah, I really like that. That was his thought process. Like, um, regardless of the outcome of this duel, Hachimaru will learn something from it. So of course I'm going to let it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That and the interesting thing with the shining white soul, which is done from like Daruma's senses, where it's like everything is on this black background. And he can see the two samurai swords and, like, uh, Hachimaru's is pure white while the other guy's is just kind of, like, gray. Was really interesting. Like, yeah. oh, what does that mean? Yeah, I like it a lot. It's just stuff I've seen before, but it's yeah. still really well done. Which, last but not least, brings us to Hell's Paradise Chapter 72. And Hell's Paradise always being last and not having chapter titles is really going to throw me for the rest of this podcast. Yeah, that's fine. What did you think of Hell's Paradise this week? I liked Hell's Paradise this week. But I'm trying to vocalize this. Um, I forgot to rank it. So that tells you, like, I knew I forgot to rank one. I was looking through. It's like, oh, it's the last one I read. That at least makes sense. But yeah, it's usually the last one I read, too. I mean, it's fine. It's just kind of a fight. And there's not yeah. a ton to it. And then it cuts to another scene that has some. OK, so I mean, it's just a chapter, right? Yeah, I guess that's like I said, I liked it, but there wasn't anything particular about it. I did like. I still don't know him too well, but the big samurai guy who's, you know, usually obsessed with ladies is fighting a female version of one of the Lord Tensons. Yeah. Lord Tensons. And he's like, oh, you're my ideal girl. And so she like kicks him in the face. And then afterwards he gets up and he's like, you've got the bosom, you've got the skin, you've got the bust. Step or, on me. Well, and he's like, and I get to, uh, if I, when I destroy you, my name will go down in history. Yeah. Hey, let's go on a date. And she's like, no, you're, you're the worst. That at was why she kicked him in. Yeah. At least but the I mean, person you're fighting with is cute, but he's not into me. So yeah, this so, is like the worst situation for me. Yeah. Cause the other samurai person is like, no, I'm only interested in your organs. She's like, Ooh, kinky. <laughs> but I liked at the end where after she'd kicked him, cause she's like, uh, you're not my type. He gets up and he's like. Hey, let's go on, not let's go on a date, but uh, I don't remember exactly what he says. It's something along the lines of like, let's 1v1 kind of yeah. thing, or uh, let's see more of each other. Something like that. And I just really like that, how he was like, you know, you're amazing to look at, and I get to have my name go down in history when I kill you. Excellent. You're my type of gal. <laughs> yeah. So that's everything we're going to talk about. Let's go ahead and get into Jump Card. Jump card is the segment where we rank all the chapters we read from our least favorite up to our favorite. And there are 19 this week, unless I forgot to rank two things. No, there's 19. So what do you have at the coveted number 19 spot, Kevin? Tokyo Shinobi. Man, this series can't even make you hate people who use children as suicide bombers for religious reasons. It's so boring. Yeah. I was I was. It's surpri- also mine. If that's yes. I was surprised that... Uh, Mintama did not beat it for bottom tier, but 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 like it's so boring, it's so nothing, I, I just and it's don't like care. it's like oh, don't you hate these people who use children as suicide bombers? That's no. not a question. Of course, that's just yeah. Oh, oh, we're gonna get directions from a local. Everybody in this town's a terrorist. What? Doesn't I that mean, make you a terrorist? Yeah, yeah. I also <laughs> had that thought. Ugh. I'm just some fisherman. I sell rotten fish. So. Like I get this is the thing that One Piece would do, and it would be amazing. I mean, One Piece kind of did it with the Baroque works 
that like first chapter. Yeah, we're a at- town full of bounty hunters, but I mean, I like that idea, but like this was done so poorly. It was like everyone in this town is a terrorist, but then you didn't like do anything with it. Just like everyone in this town is a terrorist. Oh, okay. Yeah. A terrorist against who? Though? Yeah. Like normally you're trying to terrorize somebody, not just like, howdy, fellow terrorist. <laughs> Hello. They just play a lot of Gmod. I guess. What do you have at 18? Is it Mitama Min- Security? Mitama. Yeah, me too. Jesus, I mean, it's, this it's bad. was weird. Yeah. But like at least like I get what it was going for. Yes. Like, and uh, Rize's fine. Yeah. It made me want some ice cream, and that's a feeling, so it's better than Tokyo Shinobi's Club. Yeah. The one thing I was going for was, like, um, Mintama is only scared of ghosts. Yeah. Like, a dude with a knife shows up. And he just, like, utterly destroys the guy and doesn't even pay attention to it. And Rize's like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? (laughs) Yeah, but, like, there's a child ghost in this gas station, and he can't deal with it. Yep. It's something. It's more than Tokyo Shinobi Squad's got. Yes. I just don't care. What do you got at 17? I have double tie say at 17. This was a, a super weird chapter, and I'm like, all right, so this dude that I don't remember having existed is now dead. <laughs> yeah, okay. <it's> weird. <laughs> that, that's a weird way to take that. I put Haikyuu at 17, and I can't even remember what happens in Haikyuu now, which is probably why I put it. I, I actually... I actually liked the message in Haikyuu. Um, so this was basically just kind of like a wrap up of, hey, these guys lost, these guys lost, these guys lost. And then it's a yeah, bunch it's of like the... Ev- all everyone but one team loses. Yeah. Well, and, it, and um, I really liked, I think it's some of the college scouts uh, talking about it, how everyone will face defeat. And like the top teams know that that kind of feeling of it's not that I got beat. It's just today I happen to have been beaten kind of thing like the the feeling behind that even the team that managed to win the tournament there's always a better team you're never going to win every game kind of thing and like that's the feeling that a lot of professionals kind of look for like oh if you've won every single one of your games you don't know how to deal with what happens when you lose so i just kind of like that message so it went up a bit higher for me not super high because i thought a lot of the chapters this week were actually really good what do you have at 16 at 16, I have Beast Children, because it's like, yeah, check it out, I'm the awesome Captain Man. Now, oh, back over to you, Todd. <laughs> I actually kind of liked that beat. I It was okay, but like I said, I think a lot of the rest of the chapters were super solid. I mean, I actually didn't think that this week, so Beast Children went a little higher for me. Like, a lot of ones I would call mainstays, the stuff I really look forward to, My Hero Academia and One Piece, were real disappointing this week. I Not gotcha. that either were terrible, they were just disappointing, so... I have double Taisei at 16. Okay. Because, I mean, all the, like, it being weird put it above Haikyuu. Because, like, I can't stop thinking about it, and that's certainly something. I can definitely stop thinking about it. So, uh, my number 15 was Haikyuu. Um, It just went a little bit higher, because, like I said, I liked that message of, uh, it's not that you got beaten, it's just that today is the day that you were beaten. Like, you can't focus on your defeat. The main character will be back on the court any minute. Like, everyone's like... Uh, that was another thing where, oh, I feel so bad for that kid that had the fever. And then someone else points out, like, I feel bad for that kid now. Like, it's the worst feeling in the world to have everyone looking at you with, oh, that guy's so pitiful. Yeah. I have Chainsaw Man at 15. I really didn't like the ending of it this week. And, like, the whole chapter was just, I don't want to say nothing, but it's Suit Samurai guy meet with the angel de- devil, which is a character I kind of like. Like, the power set's cool. But like and all the, the other themes, also... they're just kind of very frustrating. Yeah. Well, and I also like the fact that it's like, this is the most powerful person ever, but he doesn't want to do shit. 
And meanwhile, Denji's flirting with his new coffee girl crush. Yes. Which I don't mind, but then it cuts to, I'm a super terrorist. I'm going to super murder his love interest to kill him. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's like the most cliche thing possible. And Chainsaw Man's not going to do anything with it, I don't think. Yeah, it was my number 14. Just to sneak that in there. I always like it when um, the superpowered character is the person that doesn't want to do anything. Like, you could fix all of our problems, meh, probably. Why don't you, meh? I have Black Clover at 14. I have a feeling you'll put it higher because you know this Poison character a bit more. Yes. I do kind of like the twist that, like, oh, I know. We realize that poisons are actually super, poison magic super helpful for doctor work. So we're all doctors now. But, like, the Adams Family kind of pastiche humor stuff didn't do anything for me. I got you. And, like, weren't they supposed to be banished? They're going out on that expedition, but they need to know. It just seems like I wouldn't trade those last two chapters with, like, the flirting and the shipping and the jokes for anything. It seems like they're pressing their luck now, though. Seems like some cops should be, like, there to escort them out or something. At the same time, like, there isn't, like, they left the capital. True. And that's where all the nobles are hanging out. So all the nobles are like, well, don't worry, they left the capital. And all the other magic knights clearly are on their side. Yeah. So it's kind of like, yeah, we're gone. We're just taking a while to get going because they need to figure out which country are we going to next, which they do. Yeah. So I had uh, Jujutsu Kaisen at number 13. Really? I I put it up quite a bit higher this week. Yeah, I just didn't end it up. It just kind of felt that like that. I guess it's closing the circle, right? Yeah. It's like, and this is how we got here. But like, as someone who's not as familiar with the current times, I actually found it more interesting. I thought the Gojo stuff was really interesting with him trying to process his best friend being a super murderer now. And him not still not wanting to kill him. But like, to me, that just felt kind of cliched. Gotcha. Of like, uh, especially with his friend talking about like, what? There's no way you can kill the Jujutsu source, you know, non-Jujutsu sorcerers. Well, you could. And then it's like, no, I'll never turn to the dark side. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I'll never turn to the curse. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I just, it ended up kind of lower for me. Uh, my number 13 was One Piece. Because like I said, a real disappointing chapter of One Piece. This is the first manga chapter of One Piece I've read that felt like it was wasting my time. A little bit. So yeah. It went higher for me, but I have uh, Yui Kamiyo at number 12. I'm starting to like Yui Kamiyo a lot more than a bunch of other stuff. This is kind of interesting. We have... Bugman. And this character's been set up, right? Yes. So there's extra stakes on it. Yeah, it's like, oh, she's one of Kito or Kirito's friends, and she was super into him, but he always ignored her. Yeah. Well, he didn't always ignore her, just Yui Kamiyo came along. and Well, even then, like, he ignored her as a love interest yes. kind of thing. Like, he was like, yeah, you're one of my buds. Yeah. And she was like, but but I don't want to be. He well, was but like, I'm a sexy sure thing, lady. Was, was like, sure, sure thing, thing buddy. Friend. Yeah. <laughs> I put it a bit higher because I've always liked Yui Kamiya a bit more than you. I have Hell's Paradise at 12 because, like we were saying, it's just kind of a chapter. And, like, the humor of the dirty old man is fine. It's not, like, Master Roshi awful. But certainly it's something I've seen before. Yeah, I have Black Clover at number 11. Um, I liked the thing with, I can't remember the guy's name now. Um, Poison Man. Poison Man. And the fact that his dad's like, oh, yeah, well, we're actually doctors. And uh, his son being like, oh. So why did I run away then? Well, I don't know. You guys need to communicate better. <laughs> and like Asta, it's not Asta. I think it's um, the teleportation mage being like, you guys need to communicate better. He's like, black oil, poison magic. And he stabs Asta. Says so like, no, what are you doing? And he's like, all right, here are your health readings. Hey, what? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, a vital reader. Yeah. It's good. It's scan. Every mage knows scan. Yeah. I have a Mission Yuzakura family at number 10. Okay. Um, like I said, it didn't super do a lot for me, but like the action is well drawn. Yeah. It's fine. It's perfectly serviceable shonen. It's just disappointing because I want it to be funnier. Yep. I had Dr. Stone at number 10. 
nothing super crazy happened in this. So it was like, yeah, it's pretty good chapter of Dr. Stone. They make a gun. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I liked that bit. And they even talk about, hey, in the anime, not right now, but where Jeremy's caught up to because he's way behind. We just made a gun. Although, um, I, I'm not watching the anime anymore. I mean, I'm on episode three of what are they on? Like 16? I want to get till Gen shows up so I can at least see how that happens. It's not super interesting. Well, fine. I mean, get like him showing up is like... I'm just curious. Yeah, I got you. I've got Beast Children at number 10, because like I said, I liked the star player coming in. It's like the master showing up in a shonen battle anime. I guess. To like stall for a minute. And I like his re- relationship with uh, the rival whose name I can't remember, because I'm not that into Beast Children. So I had Hell's Paradise at number 9. I don't really have much more to say about it than like when we talked about it. I liked it. Yeah, I have Yui Kimio at 9. Okay. Right. A lot of the same feelings as you. Like I said, I just like it a bit more. Yep. So I had One Piece at number eight. Um, like I said, I really liked the shot of the seven samurai standing on the stormy shore. That's a tongue twister. It didn't bother me as much that the cliffhanger was a little weird. Like it was, I enjoyed it because I enjoyed, I'm like, oh, you know, how is Luffy have going to solve the problem already? So I was like somewhat interested in that, but it was definitely not, hey, this could have been done better, but it's not like it was bad yeah i kind of thought it was bad so at number eight i have dr stone because guns are cool i'm like, yep. like i like that escalation and i do like really like how dr stone has like anime strong fighters who you know are doing superhuman feats of agility but they still treat a gun even this like flintlock pistol as the great equalizer yeah and i actually really like that dynamic yeah guns are equally anime as like being a spear fighter in dr stone yep uh, so I have Mission Yuzakura Family at number seven. Like I said, the reason why I voted for it was I thought it was funny and I liked the action bits. I have My Hair Academia at seven. Again, nothing kind of similar to your feelings on One Piece, I guess. Nothing's wrong with it. I didn't dislike it, but mm-hmm. it was not much of a chapter. I have Demon Slayer at number six. I don't mind the flashbacks. Like, they're still, they're cool. I'm liking the inside into these characters, but it's just, it's still that weird dissonance between these are the characters that I've been following. Now we're going to cut to this dude that's dead. They always have strong emotional payloads. Yeah. So I appreciate that about Yeah. So like like I said, I liked it. It was good. That's why it's up here in the stuff that I really enjoyed, but not the best of the stuff that I enjoyed. I put Jujutsu Kaisen at six. I pretty much talked about why mm-hmm. when I was surprised that you put it so low. I thought the Gojo stuff was cool, and I guess I appreciate closing the loop. Yeah. So I have Act Age at number five. I thought this was really solid. I really liked the whole Ogami, you know, the explanation of like, hey, you turning K into this like super terrifying Princess Iron Fan is going to ruin us for the popularity contest. And she's like, no, everybody's got to have a villain they love to hate. Yeah. Even though that's not really like critics will be able to understand what the play is about. But we, I've also got this thing to help the people who like won't read into K's it. And- friends who are just here to support her. Well, the film guy will probably get yeah. it, but her other two friends yeah. who, like, don't under... No, that's what I mean. Yes. His friends can feel... Although, that's a, probably a bad example, because presumably they would they be pro- more on case, Like, more understanding of Kay's performance, or at least try to be. Yeah. But, like, I but do understand... like that. Yeah. The people who are watching the movie for the very baseline story, or watching a play and not realizing, like, wow, that's one of the best villain performances ever. Yeah. Um, And it's like, I, everybody loves to hate you know, everybody loves to hate a good villain. It's going to so. make Chio so mad. Yeah. Um, I have Samurai 8 at 5. 
Because, again, it felt like stuff I'd seen before. And, like, the long talking, like, we should have an honorable duel went on a little while. I think it's fine. I don't, like, hope it's subverted or anything. It just felt like we were spending a lot of time on it. Yep. At this point on it, I kind of hope that Hachimaru is kicked out and it's... That's definitely, like, it's Domaruma and... Uh, Drum yeah, and the other guy. Yeah. Uh, and maybe Anna has to hang out, too. Well, I mean, they're, they're presumably still going to be there. It doesn't look like he's kicked anybody off planet. They just, they have that little tag removed from their name. It's not like he stops you from regenerating yeah, through some true. weird science. It's just like, I've got this sensor thing, and if you try and, like, regenerate your way through and fight me, it won't work kind of thing because you've been kicked out of the contest. It was my number four. I really liked the, you made a mistake and got focused on defeating your enemy rather than paying attention to the whole picture and how, like, everyone has that moment. Even Hachimaru has the moment of, like, uh-oh, I fucked up. Yeah. And then the guys who's explaining it to him is like, oh, I see that you actually, like, you're catching on to this rather quickly. And I, I am impressed by that. I have Demon Slayer at number four. Again, I feel like I talked about it. I just thought the emotional bits worked really strong. I have my hero at number three. I just really liked the destruction bomb cliffhanger thing. And I like the flaming sidekickers was pretty cool to see. I think the endeavor working through the coded message went on a little long, but I did like that. It's kind of showing this other side to him. Which has been like Endeavor's thing for like the past hundred chapters almost. But I yeah. do still appreciate it. He's growing as a person. Like, yeah. huh, Hawks was acting weird. And like the original Endeavor wouldn't have noticed that yeah. at all. So I thought that was kind of cool. I have Act Agent 3. Okay. Good to draw an angry people. I have We Never Learned at number two. It is super sweet, super cute. I loved the Fumino noticing all the couple stuff that yugia and kirisu sensei have and her being like i need to compete with this woman and i don't know why because she's like <laughs> she's not recognizing what's pissing her off on a subconscious level well she's the one who's still kind of in denial about being yes. into yugia but even then she doesn't like uh yeah, she's not <laughs> she's not like why she's are still, you two dating yeah she's like obviously it's just a teacher-student relationship so why am i so sexually threatened yes I put Promise Neverland at two because I guess it was a bit of a downer. That's my justification for our switch on that. I, I It makes sense. Um, I put it up there because it was like, yes, I'm finally back to the emotional bits of Promise Neverland. This is why I love this series. Yeah, I just it was missing something, I guess. Like, not that say like we, putting We Never Learn at number one feels weird to me. But you were saying you really liked a bunch of stuff this week and I kind of didn't. It wasn't like a bad week. It was just a week where a lot of the mainstays were weak and then nothing really jumped in. I am super excited for Promise Neverland to be going this direction. Yeah. But it's not the conclusion. It's not the money moment. It's just a swing back in the right direction. Yeah. Well, when I said I, I really enjoyed a lot of this stuff this week, it's not like, I think it was two or three weeks ago, where it was like, I liked everything number 14 and above. Yeah. It was like my top nine or ten were just like, these were really solid. Whereas I'm like, my top five or that. that that's kind of a downer note to end on. I mean... I'm real excited for the next chapter of One Piece, even though that one is awful, but I don't get it next week, so. And I am excited to learn more about this destruction bomb, but. Well, I'm just yeah. excited to see more uh, Deku, Bakugo, and, and, and Shoto. Yeah, well, I mean, it is the best tree. I mean, Rock needs to show up. She needs to be transferred. And Fropy. Yeah, <laughs> they can just team up. That's true. They're together. They can yeah. just team up. The two agencies. They'll be fine. We can start shipping Endeavor and uh, Dragon Girl. Yeah. Even though I think he's still technically married, and Shoto would hate that. No, I think they're divorced. I mean, they're definitely estranged. I don't know that they are divorced. Pretty sure they're divorced. Okay. You are definitely right in that they're estranged, but I'm pretty sure she divorced him. 
with the whole Shoto incident. It would almost definitely have to be that way. I cannot imagine Endeavor divorcing her for any reason. No, I'm pretty. No, I'm pretty sure she like she left him. Kind of thing. If if they are, that would have to be. Yeah. The case. All right. So that pretty much does it for Shannon Jump. So we will be back to talk about Gantz after the break. So we read Gantz Volume 1 this week. Kevin, you said you didn't really know anything about Gantz going into it? Nope, I knew it was an anime movie. I knew absolutely nothing about Gantz. That's actually not true. When I selected it, I knew it was an anime movie. I read the little blurb, like uh, basically a Wikipedia, not plot synopsis, but like, here's what's going on. Okay. I'd seen the cover when I bought it on Amazon for this podcast. Yep, so I knew slightly more than you. Yeah, what did you think? There's some interesting stuff in here, but... I think it took a little long and wasn't quite handled right, at least as a first volume. Like, I still want to read volume two, but I feel like reading the blurb is what's making me want to read it more than having actually read the volume. Yeah, it's got a super weird tone. The main character is incredibly unlikable. Yeah, he's very weird. And, like, there's no indication on what's going on. Like, I feel like there's no hook in this first volume. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So the hook from the blurb is that, um, and this happened in the volume, is that uh, they're all dead. And they've been kind of like resurrected by this black orb thing, which is actually a dude in like a comatose state inside the black orb thing. And he sends them off on this mission to kill the onion alien. And from like reading the blurb, it's actually that they're in this kind of like weird video game thing where they're sent to kill aliens and earn points and if they get a hundred points they can return to their lives like actually resurrect that's the hook all right you're now under my control and i'm gonna send you on missions and if you earn enough points you can return back to reality and like be alive again and i was like that's a cool hook it it didn't show up the hook is mystery it's just trying to make you think oh i want to know what's going on yeah i keep reading yep which is fine, but none of the characters are really likable. Even, like, the main character has a childhood friend who he hasn't been hanging out with in a long time who is caught up in this with him. Yep. Basically, the friend jumps onto a train track to save somebody, and he ends up jumping down to help, and they both get hit by the train. Yeah. But he's kind of too goody-good in contrast to be really likable. Yeah. He looks like a typical street punk. Like, he's gigantic. He's kind of got that, like, oh, that's the tough guy, but he's actually like, no, why are we hurting people? Like you said, a goody-goody two-shoes. There's also a female lead, but she kind of hasn't gotten to do anything besides be naked in front of the main character. Yep. So she's not very interesting, and none of the other characters, which are like, there's a pretty large group, but they kind of just feel like the group. They don't really get explored at all. It feels like almost on purpose. Yeah, but again, there's nothing to hook you, I feel. No. Besides, like, ooh, I want to know what's going on. Yeah. I'm not that interested in the mystery. I don't think it's that compelling. The only thing that has me interested is this 100 points thing and, like, how the characters deal with that. And like I said, I didn't think this was done particularly well as a first volume. Because that's not even brought up. No. Another thing that kind of annoys me is, so this guy is like, oh, yeah, I've, you know, taken all control of you. Uh, Go kill this onion alien. And then we see through circumstance that there's actually, like, an area that they're permitted to be in. Yeah. And the one guy leaves and has his head explode because there's actually, like, a small device in his brain. And it's like, 
but you didn't explain any rules. Like, you didn't say, you need to kill this alien, don't go too far, here's how your guns work. Like, it's literally like, go beat- It's all mystery, because that's supposed to be the hook. That's why it doesn't tell you anything. Yeah. But it just feels like we're not being told anything. Like, we can't engage with the story because we don't know the rules. Yeah. It's fine if you were trying to hide, like, the overall goal or some of that stuff, but it's like, literally tell them you can't leave the area. Like, it seems stupid to be like, I have resurrected you. Oh, that guy died. You didn't tell him he couldn't leave. Yeah. Like I said, there's just nothing to latch onto here. Yeah. Unless you're Other than the this... naked girl. Yeah. Which, look, I got DeviantArt. I can be way more specific if that's what I want. Yes. So, yeah, I actually really didn't like it. Um, I'm not at all interested in following up. Honestly, that doesn't mean we can't at some point. I, it's something, I, it's not something we have to do for the podcast. Um, I just know that it did fairly well. Like it's got a fair number of volumes. Yeah. And I was just looking at the Amazon reviews. I don't even remember why. And they're all super positive. And I was like, really? Okay. I guess I'm, this is for someone, but it's not me. I'm thinking I might pick up like, it's just, this is a very poor volume one for hooking people into the, series right and yui kamiya volume one is going to be awful if i don't think we'll ever read it but if it goes on and we do that's yeah. going to be a bad volume one we've read bad volume ones before so it's not like they're not a thing that happens yeah well and even stuff like um dragon ball dragon ball yu yu Hakusho. i'm not saying volume one is bad of yu yu Hakusho, but volume one is completely different than what the manga is i'm not saying that gantz is going to change as drastically as that but maybe like something will pick up because clearly people liked it it got turned into a movie i don't know that it got turned into an anime although that kind of makes sense it's much harder to put a mature rating on an anime than it is to put it on a movie and make people respect it if it's like just airing on tv like you can't air it on tv because like one of the things is it's not super gory in its depictions of violence but Like, when the main character and his buddy get hit by the train, their heads pop off. Which you don't need to show in the anime, honestly, because it doesn't matter at all. But I definitely see where you're coming from. But, like, as silly as it sounds, the fact that the girl is naked is kind of important to the plot, because it's something that kind of hooks the main character into wanting to help out. Because he's got that, she's naked, she must be into me. You can definitely do that in a different way, though. You could, have to yes. put clothes on her. It's like, the We Never Learn anime is not nearly as raunchy as the manga. Yeah. But it still works fine. Yeah. I'm not... It suffers when you are read a manga chapter and are watching the anime adaptation of it. But if you haven't read a manga chapter, it works perfect. Yeah, fine. it works fine. But, like, uh, the one guy that gets cut in half, like, the, it seems like there's going to be some body horror going on here that wouldn't translate well to an anime. Which makes sense. Like, uh, it's also kind of be hard to market this to an older audience in japan i mean i don't know how that audience is but i can see where you're coming from yep anything else you wanted to say about gantz kevin not really like i said i I don't think it was a very good volume one but it's not like i'm gonna give up on the series because it was kind of popular so maybe it picks up maybe it's like the black clover anime that i absolutely hated and then is doing really well for some reason so it's like all right well we'll keep reading and see why people like this people need a naruto in their lives (laughs) i guess I guess all that leaves us is personality power level. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? Personality power level is the segment where we rank characters from best to worst. Manga characters, obviously. Speaking of Naruto, he's at the top. At the bottom, number 48, is that guy who's not Yamcha from that time I got reincarnated as Yamcha. And dead center is Red from Pokemon Adventures. Uh, So we didn't even mention the guy's name. It's Karuno K. And we didn't talk about him much more than not liking him. But like I said, yeah. he's just very deliberately unlikable. He just, all he wants to do is go home and masturbate. Yeah. Um, he 
totally lutches over this naked girl. He doesn't want to help his friend uh, help this old guy out. He just kind of ends up doing it almost on instinct. Like, yeah. he's just, like, a typical scumbag. And I get what they're going for, like, trying to make him relatable. But he just comes off as an asshole. So I'm looking pretty near the bottom of the list. Totally fair. He's got a personality, so I think that puts him above quite a few people here. Yeah. I think a ceiling for me would be Yugi Moto at number 42. Yeah, I, I like Yugi more. So kind of dead center, we have uh, now from Liar's Game, who's a pretty boring character, who I also don't super like, but I might like her more than this guy. I think, yeah, I, I think I'd put her above this guy, at least at the moment, because while she doesn't have much of a personality and is kind of boring and an airhead, at least I don't find her unlikable, and that's not something you want your protagonist, necessarily. Like, if the villain is unlikable, that's fine. But your protagonist should not be an unlikable character that you don't want to relate to. Below him, we have Mumunga, a.k.a. Ein Zal Ghul. Ein I don't know. You're the... Ein Gaun. I feel like he probably goes above Momonga, specifically the manga version, because I feel like Momonga's clearly a failure at what they're trying to accomplish with the character. Yeah. Whereas this guy, I don't like him, but I do think it's a deliberate choice. Yeah. And I agree with that, because we've rated Momonga as... The manga version where he's just literally nothing like, oh, yeah, you know, all that personality and like character that he has and remove that. We don't need that. Who wants a personality on their character? No one. Right. No. Right. So we have 49 characters on the personality power level list. So next week we will put our 50th character on the list and it's going to be someone we don't know anything about because next week we're going to read PTSD Radio Volume 1 which I don't know anything about. I was just looking for good horror manga, and I remember it had the most interesting premise of any of the ones I was reading about, but I don't remember what that was. I know even less because Jeremy was just like, we're going to be reading this one. Okay. It might even be an anthology series, which would make putting a character on the list pretty difficult. Maybe. Who knows? So that's what we're going to be up to next week. Until then, our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fistfight by Tom W. Emeritt. And other music on the show is by Spectacular Sound Productions. And our album art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. www.lastpodcast.com is our website, where you can find my other podcasts as well as the link to our Discord. You should give that a join and talk about all the anime coming out this season, because there's a ton of good stuff, especially if you're a Shonen Jump fan. We got My Hero Season 4, which I think will be out when this podcast releases, the first episode. I don't know. I don't remember when the actual release date was. It's either Saturday or Friday. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't remember either. We Never Learn started season two last week. Yep. Uh, Food Wars is starting at some point. Yep. It's still TBA on Crunchyroll for some reason. They're always weird about spoiling their things. I'm behind on, I've like put a bunch of this stuff on. I usually watch the first couple of episodes of almost anything that gives me any kind of interest. Yeah. And then end up dropping a bunch of them. Uh, And Dr. Stone's still ongoing. Uh, Kevin's not watching it and I'm not really watching it. But if you're into Shun and Jump, that's a pretty good lineup. Anything you want to plug this week, Kevin? Not really. All right. Have a good trip, Kevin. We'll see you guys next week.